Hey everyone, welcome back to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast series. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today is part two of our talk about energy vampires. If you have ever spent time with somebody who left you feeling emotionally drained, maybe even made you feel a little guilty, but you're not really sure why, um, maybe you just felt like you just came home just really tired and not quite feeling like yourself, you probably spent time with an energy vampire. They often prey on people like you, people who set out to make a difference in this world, people who are positive minded and are good listeners and have a very, very good heart. They can be your family, they can be friends, and they can be your clients. So I don't know if you caught us last week, but I did an episode with my friend and colleague, Dr. Rhonda Mays. We talked about eight typical types of energy vampires, and if you missed it, give it a listen. But just in case, I'm going to review those eight types. I'm going to give you a down and dirty review. And then the whole purpose of today is I'm going to talk about ways that you can deal with them at home, at work, and in social settings, okay? So let's go ahead and give us the down and dirty from last week. So first of all, we had the always innocent energy vampire. This is the energy vampire who never takes responsibility for anything. If they're late to their session, it's a million reasons why, but it isn't because of them. And if you call them out on it, they will often make you feel guilty. This type of energy vampire often is also has the martyr complex. They're so busy and everybody needs them, but really and truly, usually with martyrs, they need to be needed more than everyone needs them. So the second type of energy vampire that we talked about was the drama vampire. They're always at the heart of drama and they're always stoking the flames and feeding the fire. And if you're not careful, they will usually find a way to draw you into the drama, no matter how hard you try to stay out of it. The third one that we talked about was the underminer vampire. So the underminer energy vampire is the one who always one ups you no matter your achievement or accolade. They're not the ones that you want to go to if you just got your latest certification because they're going to tell you about their latest certification. And it was probably one that is that is better or harder or whatever it might be. The other type of energy vampire that we talked about was the my life is so much harder than yours. Okay. So much tougher. So if your grandma just died, you know, Hey, she led a good life, but you should see what I have to deal with. The other type, we talked about the advantageous energy vampire, and they often prey on people like you who are very positive minded and want to give, 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 give. But sometimes with an energy vampire, the more you give, the more they want, and it's never enough. The other type that we talked about was the bully. Oh, the bully. The bully might even be the person that you work with who always has something to say about your clients or the way that you train. The bully is often passive aggressive when they say something to you. They're like, oh, you need to stop being so sensitive. And then the other type that we talked about was the narcissistic vampire, the one who is just very uh, self-smitten, should we say. And often they're really great at gaslighting. So what you see and what you hear um, are very much manipulated and twisted and turned. That's what I call crazy making. And the last type that we talked about was the victim vampire. And the victim vampire is often the woe is me. Um, nobody understands me and they want to share their whole life story, but it's usually never tinged with anything positive or good. So those were just eight types of energy vampires that my friend, Dr. Rhonda Mays and I talked about to dig into the dirty details of it. Do have a listen to last week's episode. So now I'm going to talk about 
what happens when you meet these vampires, whether they're your friends, your coworkers, um, it could be a relationship that you're in and it could be a client. So how do you deal with them in these different situations? So I have eight tips to help you deal with them, whether it's at work, whether it's at home or whether it's in social settings. So the first one is establish boundaries. And I've talked about this before. In fact, a couple of episodes ago, I did a whole segment on establishing boundaries because it's so hard. It's hard to say no. But boundaries are really just strict guidelines that set a line in the sand of what type of behavior we'll accept and what type of behavior we won't accept. And they really mitigate bad behavior from people externally. So for instance, if the advantageous vampire door drops you and you're ready to end the session, they're like, oh, I forgot to tell you, I have a shoulder that's been killing me and you're on the last 30 seconds of your session. It may be that you have to say to them, you know what, I'm glad you brought that up. We're gonna address that first thing in our next session because if you deal with it right then and there, you're really encouraging bad behavior and not setting those standards and those boundaries that say, I have another client, I have to get to them now. We have to talk about this at the beginning of the next session. Remember, behaviors are only modified if we're consistent. So the other thing with setting boundaries, let's say that it's somebody like the always innocent vampire and they're guilting you because they're late again or whatever it might be. Um, we just need to make sure that we don't take the bait. See, with energy vampires, they will often go fishing bring you in and they want to get a response from you, but it's our job not to give them the response that they're looking for, which just encourages that behavior. So it might be something like if they keep coming in 10 minutes late, we finally have to set that line in the scene and say, you know what, we still have to end at three o'clock. So that might mean that, you know, that means our session's going to be 10 minutes shorter. So it's probably really important that you get here on time so that we don't have to keep cutting these sessions short. Because if you run over, you're just going to encourage that it's okay that they keep showing up late because you're not really standing by your boundaries, right? So that's number one. Another way that is great to deal with energy vampires is don't wait for them to change. I think that we have this idea in our world that we can change other people. Um, and, and, you know, especially when it's in relationships, we're just convinced that we can change them. Or if we just say the right speak or we teach them the error of their ways, they're going to miraculously change. Well, we're going to be waiting a long time before we wait for other people to change. We can't do that. We can't wait for other people. We just have to adjust our expectations and get real about who people are. It's not our job to change people or fix people. It's our job to change us if change needs to be made or to fix us if something needs to be fixed. And if it's something in a behavior of another person that we're not able to tolerate, then we just have to adjust our expectations. So for instance, the my life is tougher than yours energy vampire. If you do, you know, invite in your uh, something that's going on in your life, this is probably the worst person to tell the story to, because, of course, they're going to turn the tables and tell you something that is tougher in their life. So if you have a story where you really need support, we have to know to manage our expectations. This is not the friend that we're going to tell about something that's going on in our lives, because they're probably going to tell us something 
even uh, more intense that's going on in their lives. Same thing with the undermire. If you are so proud of this latest achievement, find a friend, find somebody on the street, talk to your dog, talk to somebody who's gonna be like, yes, I am so proud of you, but you don't wanna go to the underminer vampire because you know what? They are not gonna share that positive energy. They don't have it in them to be super proud of you. They're just not the friend that you go to. So save your emotional energy for somebody who's able to double your joy or somebody who's able to share your grief, okay? So that's number two. Number three, guard your emotional bandwidth. And I talk about this a lot. You know, we all have a, um, a bandwidth of emotional energy that we can give away to other people. And some days my bandwidth is so much shorter than other days. And sometimes if I'm going through my own stuff, my bandwidth is almost non-existent. I know that I don't have it in me to give more to other people because I'm barely holding on myself, right? So know when you have emotional energy and know who you're able to share it with and how much you have to give, right? That's our responsibility to decide how much emotional bandwidth do I have? We can't blame other people for wanting something from us because we're generally that positive person who's willing to give it. It's up to us to act responsibly. If we don't have the emotional bandwidth, we have to limit the amount of time that we spend with these people who need more of us. So let's say that the victim vampire wants to go out and have a girl's night out. Well, maybe if there's other girls joining and all of the emotional energy isn't dependent on you to fill them up, maybe it'd be okay because there's other people in the crowd. And so you have more of a buffer. Um, but maybe they ask you to go on a girls weekend. Well, that might be too much if it's just you and the victim vampire, because maybe your emotional bandwidth isn't such that you're able to give it to them that particular weekend. Maybe a month from now, you'll be on cloud nine and you'll have more to give. But we kind of have to, again, act responsibly and know when we have more and when we don't have any to give. So. Again, like let's say somebody with the advantageous vampire, they might be the ones who call us at 1 a.m. in a panic or they text us at 3 a.m. because they just really need to hear from us. And so those are the, again, that has to do with emotional bandwidth. We don't have to respond. If somebody texts me at 3 a.m., unless it's life altering, I'm not going to respond. I'm going to respond to them the next day so that they know that I'm not going to respond at 3 a.m. I'm not going to answer my phone at 1 a.m. So if you're just joining me again, I'm Angie Miller. This is Strong Mind, Strong Body. I'm so glad that you joined us because we are talking about energy vampires, the ones who will suck the life out of us if we are not careful. And it's up to us to act responsibly and have these ways of dealing with them at work, at home, and in social settings. So I already covered eight types of energy vampires, and now I'm talking about how we can deal with them. So number four, keep your distance. So I kind of talked about that in the emotional bandwidth, but this is a big one. When it comes to energy vampires, sometimes we have to think about distance, not just emotional bandwidth, but you know, let's say that your client is ready to sign up for a new set of sessions and you really just feel like you are emotionally tapped out, or maybe you are just, you just 
it takes too much from you to train this client. So maybe you fill their time slot and you suggest that they go see somebody else or work with somebody else who might be a better fit for them. However, you want to manage that. But we are not obligated to work with every client, just like every client is not obligated to work with us. It has to be a really good relationship, just like a good relationship outside of work. Let's say it's family or friends. We can still cut back on the amount of time that we spend with them if we find, again, that our bandwidth is a little bit less. Um, maybe for a time being, we, we distance ourselves a little bit more until we can kind of refill our bucket or do what we need to do to be able to show up for ourselves and them the way that is best for everybody. So decide when it comes to distance. Can I still meet with this person but meet with them in a group where, again, there's a buffer because they're not just meeting all of you. They've got more people in the group to go to. Or maybe it's a work party and you know the bully vampire is going to show up. Well, here's how we create distance there. We don't sit at the same table as them or we sit at the opposite end of the table. We don't even make eye contact. We keep our emotional and physical distance so that they don't have access to us. And really in terms of distance, I'm really thinking about access. How much am I allowing access to me? So with somebody like a bully or a drama vampire and it's a work outing, I'm going to keep my distance and make sure that I'm not sitting right next to them so that if drama starts, I don't get sucked in. Or if the bully needs a target, I'm not readily available. I'm at the opposite end of the table, not even paying them any mind, right? So number five, guard your time. So I know I talked about guard your emotional bandwidth and I talked about distance, but we also have to guard our time. Uh, yeah, people need us. People are always going to need us. Our spouses, our clients, our significant others, our kids, the world is around us. You know, we need them. They need us, but we also need ourselves. Right. We have to know when we need, again, to refill our bucket. You can be there for somebody who needs you. But do you have to be there for four hours? Can you just be there for one hour? And does four hours mean you care four times more? Or could it be that you could spend one hour with them in a time of need, give them all of your emotional energy, or you could spend four hours and only give them a piece of you because you start to feel resentful that they need more, need more. So again, that would be where the boundaries come in, right? So base your time availability on your energy. How much energy do you have emotionally and physically? That's how much time you can give that person, right? Number six, deflect. This is a really big one. You know, you have to be like a master at deflection when it comes to energy vampires because it's up to us to change the, the, the nature of the conversation. It's up to us to massage the conversation in a way where it, we don't have to get into the mud with them in a way that makes us uncomfortable. So if the drama vampire is a client and they start talking about other people in the gym or they start comparing you to other trainers and they start in and they're bringing you in, right? You don't have to go in, you can deflect. You can say, you can just bring the, all the, 
all the energy back to the workout itself and, and re, you know, redirect them. It's like, like giving a dog a bone and distracting them, right? It's, it's like distracting a toddler, but we're going to redirect them to the workout. If a victim starts sharing their woes and you just don't have it in you, we can change the conversation to something more positive, something more uplifting, something more lighthearted so that we don't have to stay on that subject if it's too depressing or too stressful. So again, we're talking about ways of dealing with energy vampires right? So number seven, don't engage and keep your cool. I can't even emphasize the importance of this one. Sometimes energy vampires are so good at sucking us in. We become a different version of ourselves that we don't even recognize. And generally it's not a version that we want to write home to mom about. It's not our best selves, right? And, and somehow that interaction with this person will bring out a side of us that we don't really like or recognize. So we really have to keep our cool when we're dealing with energy vampires. So my suggestion would be never argue, never defend or get into an altercation with an energy vampire. And I know you're probably looking at me right now like I have six heads because it, it they make you want to do that, right? You want to just, you, you, you kind of get baited in and the next thing you know, you're in, involved in this argument or altercation with them because you want to make them see what they're doing, but they're not going to see it because that's not the end goal for them. So try to avoid altercations, arguments, try to avoid any kind of uh, defending yourself when you're with an energy vampire. You're going to end up more frustrated, more depleted emotionally than you were before you even started. So remember, a bully is always going to be a bully. <laughs> And always innocence, always going to guilt you. The victim will probably start crying. The narcissist is an expert at, at uh, crazy making. So whatever you see isn't what you see because they are so good at manipulating and twisting the truth that you're not even sure which side is up anymore. Vampires are expert manipulators. They're really good at what they do. So there's no sense in us wasting our energy. Better to disengage distance ourselves and be emotionally unavailable like a statue it's hard to move a statue and statues don't give us a lot of emotion and we kind of have to be that when we're around them that's how we keep our power see i think that getting in the mud with somebody and having a big argument or altercation with them i think that that's how i give my power away i think i keep my power by doing exactly the opposite so don't invest in toxic behavior because it generally just encourages more toxic behavior so maybe at most if it's a bully and you're just about up to here with the comments, maybe you just say something like the bully says something about the way that you're training your client or whatever it might be. Maybe you just deadpan them, look them right in the eye and you just say, I'm going to leave you with that comment. And then you walk away. It's like you just deflated the bully's balloon because you just let them keep their stuff and you did not rise to the occasion and come into the ring and want to punch at them because that's exactly what they want. That really helps you keep your power and it takes their power away. Okay. So number eight, recognize your role. Here's the thing. 
Rhonda and I talked about last week how an energy vampire to me might not be an energy vampire to you. And it seems very confusing because we, we get a little, you know, how come other people don't see this person the way that I see them? Well, that's when we have to kind of step back and recognize our role. What is it about us that's drawing them to us? Because they are seeing something in us that they want more of, whether it's a vulnerability or a way in to get a piece of us, you know, fill their puzzle. And we've got that piece that's missing. And so what is inviting this person into our lives? We really have to stop and reflect. Um, are we sending the message that it's our job to be there for them at our own expense? Have we lost our way and our boundaries so much so that the reason why they come back were like a lake and, and they're never done drinking? But if we were in an empty well, they wouldn't need to come to us because we wouldn't have any more to give. So we really have to look at our role and why we're drawing in this energy vampire and what we can do. Because again, when it comes to managing stress and managing stressful people, I always say, reflect on where you have positive control. What can I do to make my situation better? It's never about other people. We can't wait for them to change and we can't wait for them to experience them the way we are. We just have to figure out what we need to do to deflect how their behavior is affecting us. So remember, we all interact with each other differently, right? So check your boundaries. And I have some final tips when it comes to energy vampires. So stay positive, okay? It's a lot harder to pull from somebody when they're always really positive and they always have um, themselves kind of put together, right? It's, it's a lot harder to pull if there's vulnerability in you that you're expressing to them and they see that. Sometimes the bully or the narcissist, they're going to pounce on that and eat you up for dinner. So you're responsible. We're all responsible to guard our time. We're responsible to guard our energy and we're responsible to guard our heart. So we have to know where we are. Hang out with people who share your values, right? Hang out with people who match your energy and share your values. And then last but not least, remember that not all energy vampires behave in the way that they behave on a conscious level. So many times it's subconscious or so many times they're just at a dark place in their lives. It may not be intentional. So that's why it's up to us to know where we are and to keep our boundaries. Because like Rhonda and I shared last week, I'm not going to deny that I might have been an energy vampire at some point in my life, not even intentionally. So we're all I would like to think that we are all good people at our core, but sometimes we need things from other people that they're not able to give. So again, I'm Angie Miller. I'm so glad you joined me for this Strong Mind, Strong Body episode on Angie, on, on Angie, excuse me, hello, on energy vampires. So again, have a listen to last week about the eight types of energy vampires, and then go over these eight ways that I shared today on how you can deal with them. And I guarantee you, you'll find a little bit more peace in your life. So thanks again for joining me. Keep doing what you love and loving what you do. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.